How's it going, mob? This is the Who's Your Mob podcast. My name is James Henry, and this pod I'm having a bit of a chat with Philly, otherwise known as Philip Murray, and he's now in Coburg, all the way down from Mildura. He's been in town for the last seven months trying to give his music the best chance possible, and he's off to a good start already, uh, winning numerous awards and now is signed to Briggs's record label Bad Apples and it was great to have a bit of a chat with him about I guess identity and culture, what I normally get to talk to people about on this pod, but he was open enough to share his story of growing up and like a lot of young Aboriginal people these days he grew up in out-of-home care and yeah it was quite fascinating to get a bit of an understanding of, of that and how he came through that and is now doing great things in the music industry so i hope you enjoy our little rap <laughs> that's me trying to be hip-hop but uh you know, it didn't work did it yeah, I hope you like our little chat here. So here he is, Philly. Wemma Wemma boy. Um, so mob down there from uh, Swan Hill Lake Boga. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously living in, um, in cooler nations now. Um, and yeah, just loving it here, so. How long have you been down Melbourne? Uh, about six, seven months now. Just working on my music. Um, you know, being signed to Bad Apple's music now. So working on my debut through them. Yeah, cool. Mm. And so what, you grew up in Mildura? You grew up there most of your life? Yeah, I grew up in Mildura. I've been in Mildura since I was about 18 months old. Um, that was when my mother moved from Nowra down that way because I was born in Nowra, New South Wales. Uh, but, you know, always had family in, in Mildura. So, yeah, been growing up uh, in Mildura most of my life. I think I first moved out of there was when I was like 19. So spent a lot of, lot of my, my life there. So born in Nowra, so do you mm. have like South Coast? Relations? Um, I don't think so. I don't know why we ended up <laughs> being in Nowra, um, which is really interesting. But um, yeah, um, a lot of people from Nowra, like some people from Nowra, um, they heard I was born there, like know, know my mother and, and my, my uncles and aunties. I don't know why we ended up over that way, but yeah, it, it just happened, I guess. We just, some of the Murrays just migrated there. But, um, but nah, most of my family's in like in Victoria way, like Bell Reynold as well, New South Wales, so. Yeah, no, it seems like a lot of mob born and raised in Bell Reynold, living down in mm. Melbourne these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, heaps of people. Yeah, Bell Reynold, for such a small place, a lot of people come from there. Yeah, it's funny how that works. I know there must be something in the in the culture of the families that, I don't know whether they just have big families or they yeah. seem to be quite involved in, in uh, music. I, I guess my first guest, was Uncle Kutch. Mm. So you related to Yeah, yeah, mom? Uncle so Uncle Kutch's um mothers of Murray. Um yeah, relatives everywhere. I think Uncle Kutch is related to everyone down the line anyway. Well, you know, how he talks to mob it sounds like he is. Yeah. Or if he he's not related he knows who they are, knows everyone about uh, everything about them more than you know about yourself. <laughs> but um yeah, related to Uncle Kutcher, uh, which is amazing. Um, you know, uh, he's a, an amazing artist himself, so. Yeah. Yeah. And how old are you now? 26. Okay. Yeah. So you used to be 
under the name Young Philly. Young Philly. Is, is, is it just, just Philly now or is it still? Just Philly now. Just, yeah. I reckon when I first met you, I was just still Young Philly. Yeah. I was like 20, 19 years old or something like that. All right. And, and <laughs> when do you know when to drop the Young? Ah, I don't know. It just sounded corny. Um, you know, it sounded really cheesy. Um, I think by the time I reached about 20, it was kind of like, all right, you know what? Um, I can't be young forever anyway, so I may as well drop it now. Yeah. Um, and I think Philly just works better. Philly was just like a nickname growing up anyway, so. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that maybe in the future, maybe in another 50 years you're still rapping, you can become mm. Uncle Philly? Uncle Philly then, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to be awesome. Like, we, we need some like older rap, older rap people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we've got... We got um, yeah, I don't think Briggs is going to be rapping for, for until he's an uncle, you know, until he's officially an uncle to community. Um, who, Mon Monkey Mark, though. Oh yeah, Uncle Monkey yeah, Mark up in Sydney. Yeah, he's been he's been doing his thing for a really long time. So there we go. There's one, one of the OGs. Yeah. <laughs> How has it been since moving to Melbourne? Um, nah, it's been good. Um, just, you know, trying to, trying to really adjust to the city life. Um, the, the, the rat race that they got going on here is, um, different, especially cause like, um, music's full time for me. So, um, you know, my hours are a lot different from a lot of other people's hours. Um, so sometimes when I do have to go into the city in the morning, I'm like on this tram with people that don't want to be at their jobs and you know all that sort of thing and you can just you can feel that 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 energy um which is different from being home um Madura is so small and everything's literally around the corner um so you know people people don't have to stress and and travel to get to work um but other than that like Melbourne's an amazing place um probably the best place in Australia for for the arts I feel um and yeah, the people here um, are are good. And on top of that, it's one of the pro most progressive cities in, in Australia as well. I think Victoria as a whole is the most progressive state. Hmm. So um, yeah, Mel Melbourne's cool. Well, how was it then in Mildura? Was it hard for you doing your music and being able to find gigs? Um, not so much. I just felt like um, I needed to be here um, you know, out of out of my comfort zone to, so then I can like really push myself to create my album. Because um, if I'm comfortable, then I'll, I'll get I get lazy, I guess, and and you know that won't really inspire inspire much. I feel when it comes to my songwriting, um, being here in Melbourne, you know, is is I'm here to work. You know, on top of that, you know, my my um, my son's down here as well, so um, you know, another reason to come down. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been good and I feel like, you know, my album's coming along really well. Yeah, and so uh, with Bad Apples? Yeah. How'd that come about? Um, Bad Apples Music, uh, I met Briggs like two, three years ago, three years ago now I'd say. Um, and then we got to connect again when I performed at the National Indigenous Music Awards, so yeah, three years ago. Um, and after that he, he asked me to go on tour with him. Um, I always think it was like a, um, he, he just wanted to see how I'd go like on, on the road or, you know, performing in that, um, because I think around that, that time he was actually talking to, uh, uh, Nathan, um, from Payback, Nathan Lovett Murray about starting his own record label. 
Um, so, you know, he, he obviously had his eye on, on a few different artists already. Me being one, um, Birds from, you know, uh, his mob's from up Queensland way, but he was, grew up in Catherine, Northern Territory, and then we got the brother Nookie, who's actually from Nowra. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we oh, can oh, we, we've got an interesting speaker situation. Yeah, you can just turn it off. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I switched it. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. So Briggs has been, he was talking about, you know, starting this label you know, about three years ago. And then, you know, I guess he was just slowly getting all the, all the pieces together to make it official and, and um, you know, build this team to, to help push it. So I was the first signee to the label. Um, I officially signed early last year. Um, and you know, from there, it's just been amazing. The support here, the support at Bad Apple's music is, you know, uh, dope. And you know, one of the best deals I think you could get in the music industry when it comes to dealing with a record label. And the label is based around, um, uh, you know, Aboriginal culture, bringing the next brother or sister up, um, looking out for one another, passing on that knowledge. Um, those those sort of uh, morals and those sort of obligations to one another, and um, that's you know one thing I really commend Brother Briggs for. Um, you know, always sticking to that idea of, of giving back to community and um, and creating this this label that is going to be more self-sustainable um, in a way. You know, black-owned, black-run. Um, so that in itself is bringing pride back to our communities and you know this idea of self-determination is is really important when it comes to us um, um, owning having ownership of our own own products I think is amazing yeah has it changed your sound in any way um, yeah a lot yeah a lot um, you know I've, I've got now it's like before I was I was just rapping now it's like um, you know and I, I always had a message behind my music but now there's a, a standard I feel I have to live up to because um, we really push this idea of black excellence and um, so that's what we're always aiming for to to excel and um, again show our, our, the next generation or the next group of artists that come through bad apples like you know this is what we got to do to to be heard the way we want to and um, to really make an impact in this not just the music scene but in this country um, and so you know that in itself is a challenge that inspires me to um, write as well as I can. Um, you know, I've, I've even my um, the way I, I, I rap now um, vocally is different as well. Um, you know, when I first met you, I probably had that um, American accent sort of thing going mm -hmm. on. Where now, like I'm I'm, I'm older um, and I noticed that and I've become more aware of that and I've I've changed. Um, you know my vocals and now it's a lot more natural and and comes across and you can actually hear who I am um, and and just little things like this I think were important just to stay be you know be real to me and be authentic to me um, although you know there was nothing wrong with that like it was the same message all the time it was just um, that's the hip-hop music that I listen to and there's mm. a sound I emulated so yeah
Yeah, no, it is interesting. Like, it seems commonplace that Aboriginal people would be influenced by the African American mm. music and then naturally have that accent coming yeah, through. Yeah, for sure. But I guess you also hear in country music, you know, some black fellas singing with an American accent because they're listening to yeah. Charlie Pride or uh, Jim Reeves or yeah. Alan Jackson, all that kind of for stuff. For sure. Yeah, so is there something to be said for younger people coming through as to where they should be looking as to what you've discovered now recently? Yeah, well, um, I feel like um, everything Briggs is doing right now is um, unknown territory to a lot of black musicians in general, um, but especially for hi young hip hop artists. Um, this is, this is, uh, these are, you know, waters that haven't been discovered yet or, or, or even um, navigated. So it's like everything that he's doing is just opening and opening more doors, which is allowing us to, to see him do, do these things. Like he's setting a blueprint up and that we can, that we can follow, you know, and obviously at our own um, unique abilities to what he's doing and, and build, you know, branches elsewhere. But uh, um, I think like, and Briggs is very like vocal about that in in a way too, like in terms of like being uh, trying to inspire the uh, young people or other artists that are coming through, other uh, Indigenous artists, um, and I think that's that's just really important. And so, you know, I've I've caught on to that as well, and um, and that's something that I've always just wanted to do anyway. I wanted to be an example um, that young people can follow. You know, it might not be in music, but um, just, just showing like, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone is, is, is a way to go, um, you know, um, and just keeping yourself busy, all these, all these sort of things that um, I've, I've really pressed for a really, really long time um, are things that I, I hope, you know, the, the next generation or, or the next group of artists that come up can see and, and build from. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have all the answers because as I said, like these are uncharted territories that a lot of um, like, like that things that a Briggs, Briggs is doing. So in terms of like all the answers, they're, they're not going to be there. But um, I think Briggs is doing a lot of amazing things. And, um, you know, people can, can see from that, can learn from that, can build from that. And um, I think that's, you know, this, this day and age now where we are musically, um, it's probably been the most diverse that it's ever been in terms of like the music industry in Australia. Um, and and it's gonna keep progressing, it's, it's, bec it's becoming more and more. I think there was, uh, even at the Arias, I think the urban, or the urban album category or whatever, it's the first time there was no white rappers that were nominated or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, that's just showing that progression. Um, and and what the, the the standard is for one and what it is um the doors that we're opening the doors that um you know young people can now come through and and not be scared to share their voice or their opinion anymore and um you know anything i say on my records is like a slap in the face compared to briggs and trials reclaim australia where they just kind of just punched every person in the face mm. you know and um so they, they took the brunt of the force, really, and, and um, 
and it's gave it's given um, a lot of black artists this confidence to um, to to have our have our opinions heard and um, make sure we stand up for what we believe in and all these sort of things. You know, in a minimal way. I'm not saying it's like everything, like because we have leaders on um, all fronts, whether it be music, politics, whatever, um, that are really pushing these this fight and. Um, you know, this is just one of the one piece to the puzzle. Mm. So yeah. And how do you find performing to different audiences? Uh, just going along to see some Briggs shows, mm. where he's you know seeing you know, a lot about his story and Aboriginality and, and the struggle, mm. but still able to have all these white followers in the crowd, you know, like with their fists in the air. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I also find that. There's a lot of um, community gigs where, you know, you'll have a lineup with only Aboriginal artists on and, and only Aboriginal mob there. Mm. I guess you would have performed to Briggs's audience yep. and, and a lot of community stuff. Do you find that there is much difference in the appreciation of, of a particular sound um, between the two? I do, in, in a way. Um, I've noticed, like, you know, at when I do perform at community events where, you know, majority of the crowd are Aboriginal, um, you know, the mob will come up after it and, um, you know, want to wanna have a yarn, want to get pictures or whatever. Um, performing in front of a crowd that's majority white, you'll notice that um, the crowd will come up and want to speak to about some of the songs you, you have a discussion about some of the songs you presented or some of the views that, that you have. Um, you know, sometimes try to challenge it, other times agree with it or want to learn some more about a, a bunch of different things. Um, you know, where I'm at, I'm not in a, um, in a, a space now where I want to educate the wider community. I'm more, more so about um, educating um, mob. I want to get back into community and educate our mob and um, our young people. Um, but, you know, I'm all for a discussion and um, just a talk about uh, Aboriginal injustices or Aboriginal issues in Australia. So, yeah, there, there, is, there is a difference. Um, and, you know, people consume that information differently as well. Um, you know, black followers, we just, we know what it is. Like, we've been going through that. So the story I'm presenting is, is, in a, is in a new story to them. But when I do present it to perform and, um, white followers are the majority of the crowd they um again they they take that information in differently and um you know it may challenge their their reality or their truths um but that's what the music's made for it's supposed to it's supposed to have you thinking um and questioning things and um and you know hopefully they can grow from that and again like this is just one of one of the pieces of the puzzle like I'm just doing my part my small part whatever that may be um, and eventually that's going to help out when it when it comes to the bigger picture so yeah but but either way I enjoy it I enjoy being able to speak my truth and um, and you know really stand up for that because um, if you're going to say something you may as well do it on the microphone yeah <laughs> and what do they come up and ask you about um, certain things like a lot of time they just agree with what I said or you know they'll, they'll say certain things um, uh, you know touch them and, and and they really they really felt it um, other times they they'll um, 
safer speak about police harassment in songs or um, or certain things like that. Though you know, some people will come up and ask, um, you know, are police really that bad? Um, because the experience they've had with police officers is totally different from um, a lot of black people. Um, so it's just these general kind of questions that a lot of white followers like asking. Um, and, you know, you get the odd, um, I'm 116th Aboriginal um, every now and then, which is always a funny discussion to have. Um, but yeah. What, like the people talking to you yeah, or are they yeah, saying yeah. that you are? Yeah, no, the, the, the people talking to me will say that they're like 116th Aboriginal or, you know, they had they had a great-great-grandmother that was Aboriginal or, you know, something like that, which is, um, yeah, again, it's always, it's always a funny discussion to have. Um, just for the people that don't know, why is it funny? Just... <sighs> Um, um, black people, first of all, Aboriginal people, we don't work in percentages. Um, if you're black, you're black. Whatever you identify as is, is, is whatever you are. Um, and when when you say you're one sixteenth, um, that's that means you're uh, you're unsure. Um, <laughs> you, you're not even sure if your great 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 grandmother was was Aboriginal. Um, so you know if you are. Or if you have been told that you have uh, um, uh, a grandparent or, or whatever that had, had Aboriginal heritage, um, I feel like instead, instead of waiting to see an Aboriginal person um, and, and say that you're 116th black, go out and do, do your research, try to find your people and, you know, if you really are black, just claim that, claim that you're a black person. Um, and that's that's one thing that a lot of people can't understand. I know I have um, Scottish her Scottish heritage uh, in my roots somewhere, but I've I've never been connected to that that lifestyle, that culture. Um, so when people ask me what nationality I am, which is um, an annoying question, um, I always just say I'm Aboriginal, and obviously their their response is like you can't be full Aboriginal. Um, your, your skin ain't that dark. You got green eyes. And it's like, you know, whatever I identify as is what I am. I grew up being an Aboriginal man. I grew up in an Aboriginal household. Um, that is all I know. Besides this, you know, Western civilization that we've grown up in that um, really, you know, I haven't adopted. I've just kind of grown up in um, is, you know, challenges People's, it always just challenges people's perceptions of what an Aboriginal person actually is. Um, you know, people look at at um, a black fellow like me and obviously, you know, can't have that idea that I am a full-blood Aborigine or anything like that because I'm not painted up all the time when I perform. I don't, you know, walk around in traditional wear. I'm not singing in language. I'm not dancing. I'm not doing these things, but um, I think just me being an Aboriginal person means I'm an Aboriginal artist, means I am, uh, um, I am doing what my ancestors have been doing for a really long time. I'm just doing it in a contemporary style. Um, I am a storyteller, and I, I say that all the time. Um, you know, our people, storytelling was, was our people's way of, of living and learning and passing on knowledge all our history is oral history and um, you know I always say that I am the storyteller 
of of my people i'm just doing it in this this style that is um hip-hop um but it's still practicing my culture i feel mm. do you feel that there are elements of your aboriginality that comes across in your music yeah um definitely i always feel like um although i'm not um singing in language or or you know um I don't have clapsticks or didgeridoo through or yidiki throughout my um throughout my my music it's still me just reinforcing um my aboriginality because um I am a I am a black fella doing it and these stories aren't my stories they are but they're my people's stories they're stories that I've been um, been told for a really, really long time. Um, you know, even like, uh, you know, post post invasion, all of these things. It's like uh, post invasion, pre uh, pre invasion, all of these things. Like these stories are stories that have been passed on to me, and I'm just sharing it with like the next generation for a way that I know how. Um, and you know, I was I was. Um, Again, like I'm just I'm just a storyteller that is sharing my story and sharing my people's story and in hopes that it will inspire change and inspire young people. Yeah. Hmm. And Mildura has a lot of other rural towns in Victoria yep. have a, maybe a little bit of a reputation of having certain issues, but namely like ice for one. I guess there's a a lot that's been attempted to help communities mm. be able to battle through this and yeah i'm just wondering through your music how you go about trying to inspire or empower people yeah yeah i get you um however i can like when it comes to when it comes to things like um like ice and other drugs that people may be addicted to um you know, for me, sometimes it's hard to speak on because I've never, never touched any drugs. Um, so, you know, to a lot of people that it may seem like if I do speak on it, it may seem it's coming from an ungenuine place, um, a place that's not genuine. So, um, you know, it's always, it's always good to, you know, uh, tread softly when it, when it comes to speaking about issues like that. But um, at the same time, although I haven't, um, you know, participated in drug use like that. Um, I've been around it. A lot of my family members have been caught up with ice or, or other drugs. Um, so I speak on it from from my perspective a lot of times. I don't I don't try to speak on it from someone else's perspective because I don't know. Um, but um, not in a way that's speaking down on my brothers and sisters. Um, I always speak in a way or try to speak in a way that is that I'd hope that here and it would um, um, you know uplift and just let them know that they're you know they're better than than what that is and because a lot of my brothers and sisters I grew up with I grew up in uh, foster care so my household always had like 15 kids living in it and um, it seems like every kid that I grew up with besides me, I was the youngest, um, you know, got into a lot of uh, negative situations, you know, in and out of prison, dealing drugs, 
drinking every weekend, fighting every weekend, you know, all these sort of things. So a lot of my, my family members gone into the, the negative stuff and, and it's, it's hard to um, kind of break that cycle. So that's where I'm at when I, when I say that I want to educate our, our people because it's like um, our young people because it's hard to kind of get out of that cycle or break that cycle if you don't even know you're in it. Mm. Um, and, and that's what it is. I think, you know, if, if, the, only invo- if the environment you grew up in is, is nothing but negativity, then that's not a negative environment to you. That's just an environment that you've grown up in. So, you know, you, you adopt these, these um, certain characteristics and, um, and, and you kind of move forward in that. So anytime I speak or I, I, I release music that has a message, it's always, it's always to uplift community first and educate community first. Um, and yeah, it's just, however I can, I can use my voice if, um, and my platform. You know, if, if I have brothers and sisters that, that want their story heard or whatever, I can definitely do that. Hmm. Yeah. So I've got to ask, how was it growing up with like 15 other kids? Uh, um, it was, you know, it was, again, this is like just the environment I grew up in. So I've been in foster care since I was 18 months old. So ever since I was a baby, my household was always like that. Not every kid that was in there um, were adopted by Anibeth. So Anibeth Peters is the woman that raised me. She's passed away now, but during her time as a foster parent had taken in over a thousand different kids. Um, you know, very, very staunch, strong Aboriginal lady. Um, and yeah, my household just had so much, so much people living there. And it's because our house was more safe haven than anything. Um, so Anibeth would leave the door open to anyone that needed a place to stay. Um, so yeah, we'd always, you know, you'd leave, go to sleep and wake up and there'll be new kids in the house or whatever because a lot of their um a lot of their parents may bring them to the house and be like all right you know i need some i need a break and honey bev was always cool with that um because that's what it was about community and giving back um also you know honey bev would allow the parents to come and visit the kids um a lot of times you know that wasn't allowed to happen um because they were you know taken removed from their parents but um it's important to be connected with your family and 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 um and all of that so i never saw that and no knew that had to happen growing up in that household was just you know there was a lot of um it was a lot of a lot of good times a, really, a lot of good times but at the same time there was a lot of um a lot of uh a lot of bad times as well this a lot of clashing there's just a lot of people and everyone that was in this household you know came from a broken home so um we were born losing in a sense um and and those those sort of things are going to have a negative impact on on young people um you know there's there's a lot of um those young people should never have to go through you know what what those kids went through or you know what myself and my sister went through um one of my one of my older brothers uh foster brothers he like honey bev heard about this kid that was, um, you know, being abused by his family. So she drove to Wakenya, Wakenya where he was living with his family. Um, and she traded her car for him to the family. And wow. they, they accepted. Um, so then, you know, caught a bus back to Mildura and that. Um, but when she got this, you know, little baby, he had cigarette burns all over his body and bruises all over his body. And, um, you know, and one thing, like, I always... Commend Nani Bev for is she never judged the parents. 
for anything they may have done um, because she knew that the reason why a lot of these things happened was because of the um, you know the, uh, the the intergenerational trauma that a lot of our people have been through um, you know there's, there's still young people today that are suffering from things that happened 200 years ago and you know that's just the reality of it um, because these a lot of these communities um, the negative things that happen is in these communities were built um, by white Australia and when we go back and we talk about this cycle and this these these negative environments that our young people are growing up in we didn't create these negative environments they were created um, to keep us out of out of um, you know out of towns uh, the missions were created you know they removed these children from their families put them on these missions and you know and then from there it was just a lot of um, negativity around them and surrounding their Aboriginal Aboriginality. So these these things were created a long time ago, but they're still affecting our young people today. And I, I saw that, like growing up with those 15 young people, I saw um, how that impacted them. And for me, I was literally the only one that's got, when I, when I think about everyone that I grew up with, I'm literally the only one that's got out and actually kind of done something with my life. Yeah, well. But again, that is no knock on them. So if you think about that statistic, like one out of 15, that's actually made it out. Um, and for whatever reason, although we lived in the same household, we had different experiences their whole life. I may have met um, a person that said something that clicked for me that, you know, they never got an opportunity to meet. Um, and these, this is just the reality of, of our mob and our people. So when when I speak about um, issues that a lot of our mob go through and, and the fact that a lot of our mob struggle in this Western society or um, this structure, this system, um, I never blame them for that because the system wasn't made for us to win anyway. We only became citizens or human beings 50 years ago. My, you know, my mother, <laughs> my mother was alive during, um, during, the, time of, during the time of being labelled as flora and fauna. And that was just my mother, so um, I can imagine what uh, you know. My grandparents uh, must have been going through, you know, um, during their time. So it was like a lot of people love talking about how long ago these things happened, but it was only just there, um, you know. And these things are going to be passed on, and eventually, like we can't can't sit back and be like, oh, eventually, like we're going to uh, everything's going to be all good. You know, that's, that, that is a reality. I feel like that will happen to um, the breeding out of hate, I guess, or whatever. Um, but at the same time, we need to educate as much as we can um, our own mob to help break the cycle. Um, you know, and, and one thing I always say that's really good for that is, is culture, however you're practicing it. You know, I'm practicing my culture through, mu through music and... Um, uh, culture, I think, is is one of the most important things that we can um, teach our young people. Mm. Mm. Can you pinpoint at what point or what it was exactly that put you on the straight and narrow? Um, so, I guess you're saying like you don't do drugs, like you've never done drugs. Um, what was it? Your first EP, uh, Dream Chaser. Dream Chaser. And now you're down here, uh, you know, signed to Breezes Record Label. Um, yeah, well, what is it that has given you the drive and incentive to 
Um, see, this is one thing I always find interesting. I just, I really never like really know what it is. You know, we always have a um, mob that grew up in um, very rough circumstances that have um, come out of that and done amazing things with their lives. Um, and, and I never know why, like why, obviously we're all kind of like wired differently in terms of our, our minds, but you know, one of 15 kids that have, you know, been that one to come out, I've always wondered why myself, like why is it that um, I saw things differently from a very early age? I feel like I was, I was um, always aware of what was going on in my community and what it was. You know, obviously not to a point where I totally understood everything, but um, I just knew there was something, something wrong, something that didn't, didn't feel right. Um, and I think I just listened to music differently. Obviously, when I was um, I was five years old, when I first heard rap music, hip hop, or Ray. Um, but then when I started listening to artists like um, Tupac, um, I felt I always gravitated towards the music he made when he spoke about his community and spoke about um, what it is that's happening in his, in his community. And I think that kind of helped me put things into perspective when it comes to. Um, the community that I was living in because there's so much similarities between mm. between um, the community over there and, and here. Um, so definitely, you know, artists like Tupac really helped me to see that. But at the same time, it's, again, it's interesting because a lot of my, the only reason why I listened to Tupac was because my older brothers and sisters were listening to him. Um, and obviously, you know, and got the message as well. But it just, or the information that he was given, but it's, I guess it's just what you do with that information um, helps. Um, but I think um, there's this, there's this, um, I guess this, this stigma of almost feeling hopeless a lot of times. I think like um, a lot of this music that we do here, like the Tupac's music and you know, him giving us information on why we're, why we're in these situations. Um, you know, it, it brings hope, but it also brings hopelessness in the sense that it's like, you know, th what, is the, what is the percentage? What, is the, what are the statistics when it comes mm. to making it out? Um, and we know that's minimal, it's, it's very small. So I think, um, you know, I don't know whether it be like subconsciously, we always start doubting ourselves as Aboriginal people. Um, I know my brothers and sisters, um, my sister, before, you know, she, she's gone on this path, um, she's on now, she was an amazing, amazing person, uh, very educated, always into her sports, played like state soccer, a bunch of different things. Um, so she, you grew up with her? Grew up with, with her, her in, the, in, the, in the house, yep. Um, and, you know, where she's at now wasn't how I thought her life was going to be or, or she she thought either but seeing her being knocked back from job after job after job and understanding why she's getting knocked back I think that's where doubt sets in um, in terms of like there's no opportunity for us really um, and a lot of people can't swing until they hit you know, it's it's easy, it's super, super easy to give up. And that's no knock on mob at all, um, you know. 
these things aren't supposed to be easy, but they shouldn't be as hard as they are. So I think um, when it comes to me and being able and, and just seeing what it is from an early age, I guess like being a baby too. I was always the baby. I was the baby of my actual family. I was the baby of my foster family. Um, it gave me a chance to, to see everything that was going on to my older brothers and sisters when it comes to police harassment, um, getting knocked back from jobs, all these sort of things. So I got to learn from that, those experiences through them. Um, so I was lucky in that sense. Um, and then on, I've, I've just met a lot, a lot of amazing people along the way that um, gave me a different perspective on, on life and what it is. A lot of my uncles and aunties were activists um, and always active, so I, I saw that as well. Um, so yeah, when it, when it comes to that question, because people ask me these, that sort of question all the time, I, I really don't have an answer for it. Um, you know, all I have is a, an idea of, of why it may have happened, but yeah. All right, I've got to ask, uh, even though it's getting a little bit away from the topic of hip-hop, yeah. I bumped into uh, Uncle Andrew Jackamos, uh, mm -hmm. who's a commissioner for Aboriginal children, yep. and I asked him, uh, he's just finishing up after five years in the role, I asked him about what he thought were some of the wins that he got across the line in his work, and he was saying how one of the things that he fought for and succeeded in achieving was to have Aboriginal children that are removed from their families being raised by other Aboriginal people. Mm. Was there anything in particular being raised by an Aboriginal person that was... Yeah, um, well, um, there was a time when uh, we returned back to our mother's care, was about seven, eight years old. Um, and then again, we were removed from my mother's care again, not too long after and were placed in a, a white family. And um, the white family that we were placed in, um, me and my sister, they, um, they abused us. They didn't really treat us really good at all. Um, and Annie Bev heard about it, she, you know, and, and she made sure that we ended up back in her care. Um, because before that, she just assumed that we were still with mum. Mm -hmm. you know done a checkup and we weren't there. So she made sure that we ended up back in her care. You know, and the, the family that we were with, they didn't treat us, they didn't treat us very good at all. Um, so I think there's just that, um, there's there's a, uh, I think it's just it's just safer um, to be in, in an Aboriginal family. Only have actually done a lot of work with Uncle Andrew Jackamores. Um, and just a lot of work for like Atsik and Rajax and so she was an amazing lady. Um, uh, so yeah, when it, when it comes to cultural safety, I think it's, it's, it's something that, that needs to happen. Um, when it comes to just keeping, keeping our children safe because we really don't know, we don't. Um, um, when it comes to trusting white Australia, you know, not to say that, um, or, or white people are bad or whatever, but when it comes to um, all the negative things that are happening to Aboriginal people now, or the negative things that happen over the years, um, it was because of uh, white Australia and their policies. Um, so 
there's cultural safety when it comes to those sort of things is also keeping connected to community and culture because if you're not then there's there's a there's always going to be this hole that you can't fill and that's a part of your identity and if you've lost your identity then you've basically lost everything um, and that's why there's a lot of our aunties and uncles now that um, were removed from their families uh, during the stolen generation and never found them again and you can see the the hurt and the pain in their eyes because they're never going to find that so there's um, when it comes to being connected to um, community is very very important to us and it's important to our spirits and you know our, our, our ancestors and just ourselves in general um, which is which is why I always feel like Aboriginal children belong to Aboriginal families unless the only the only way I'd say it's okay is if there was no other you know there's no other Aboriginal foster parent out there that could take this on um, and then you know we could look at um, having having our children in like a white family or whatever but even then there needs to be follow-ups to where um, I feel like these white families need to take um, these children to community events or have them connect with culture uh, the, the black community in one way or another like that needs to happen um, but you know that's that's always a, a interesting discussion to have because everyone has their own views um, I know um, there are there are people that um, that say you know we should think about the children first and they should just go where they're safe at um, I always feel like you know where we're going to be safest at is with our with our mob, um, and that's from my own experience. So for people to um, for people to say um, it doesn't matter just as long as the kids are safe, that's untrue. Like I've been with a white family and they didn't treat me good at all. Obviously, other black fellows uh, that have that have been in the system, you know, would have been with white families that have treated them well, but. Um, there's always a possibility that they aren't um, and you know because we go into we we went into this family and they obviously just looked down on us so as soon as we got there you know we were these little black kids obviously they were super racist and um, they didn't want to they didn't want to have these black kids but they were getting money for us so um, and that was just my experience so I always feel like it's just a lot safer being with Aboriginal families, definitely. And just um, connecting with culture and, and community is really, really important. Mm. Mm. And how is it up in Mildura in regards to the connection to culture? Is there much in the way of language, uh, dance, mm. song? So that's like Wemba Wemba? Uh, Lachi Lachi. Oh, Lachi Lachi, sorry. Yep, yep. Yeah, so how is it? for mob up there to connect to traditional culture. Yeah, well, um, it's like the whole town in general is um, becoming a lot better when it comes to accepting Aboriginal culture um, and heritage um, and history. So there's a lot more, um, you know, lessons being taught in schools. We got um, Dennis Mitchell, who's actually a, um, a black fellow and he's a principal of, of one of the primary schools there who um, ensures there be, you know, a lot of Aboriginal lessons being taught in his schools, um, which is amazing. Um, Uncle 
Uncle Peter Peterson and Uncle Ivan Johnson in, in Mildura. They're, they're two, um, two uncles that uh, make sure they're in schools all the time and connecting with young people, black, white, whatever, um, teaching them about culture, teaching them dream time stories, teaching them some language, all these sort of things, and have been doing that for a really, really long time. Um, but now that um, some of the schools curriculums kind of changing in a way where they want to teach more about Aboriginal culture and history in school, um, language, all those sorts of things. It's given Uncle Ivan and Uncle Peter more opportunity to get in schools and really uh, spread their message, um, which is amazing. Like these are two, two uncles that never finished school themselves, <laughs> you know, and can't, can't really write, <laughs> you know. Um, Uncle Peter, I don't think he, he can even read, but um, it's amazing that he's able to go into schools and, and teach these these young young mob because what he does know is his culture, um, um, and there, like growing up for me, we always had Lachi Lachi dance troupe, so I was a part of that growing up, um, you know, and we we done a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, shows. We went out all over Australia and done shows here and there and everywhere. And um, that was that was a fun way to be able to connect with other community community members as well. You know, not all of us were Lachi, obviously. Like I'm not Lachi Lachi boy. And um, we had you know some Torres Strait Islander mob in in a dance troupe and just mob from all over the place. Um, but it was it was a way for us to connect and. Um, and connect to culture and connect to um, that specific land, which is Lachi Lachi land. So we learnt, you know, dances, we learnt song, um, all these sorts of things. Um, and across the bridge, because, you know, Majuri sits on, basically sits on the border of New South and South Australia, top of Victoria. So straight across the bridge, we've got the Barkindji mob um, and the Barkindji mob all oh, right, so Barkindji goes all the way down to yeah, Jura. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so wow. straight across okay. the bridge, Barkindji. And then all the way up to um, Wilcannia? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. a big mob. Yeah, yeah, huge. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Bar Barkindji um, uh, mob have always been pretty influential when it came to the area that they're in, so like Kumiela. Um, kind of like Wentworth, Barunga, um, which is super, super close to Majura. Um, you know, and they always um, had an influence in um, teaching teaching young people about culture over there. They had a dance troupe called the Stamping Ants, which was an amazing dance troupe. Um, you know, and they'll, um, they'll come and um, teach about, um, you know, culture, dance, language, music, all these sorts of things uh, into into different schools. So I've always um, been around it, which has always been a really good thing. And the push for it now is is um, bigger than it's ever been. Um, and it's amazing that the community on Mildura is really embracing, embracing the culture a lot more. You know, there still needs to be um, a lot more, um, yeah, a lot more progression in, in that, in those circumstances. But the fact that it's moving forward mm. and even at a rapid pace like ten, you know when i was like 16 15 years old um Madura was super redneck like it was racist as hell and i remember going through a lot of different things through throughout my life uh, in Madura. but um you know it's becoming more and more um 
I guess, uh, just embracing of 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 its Aboriginal history and Aboriginal people there, um, which I you know I give a big shout out to Majura for that. Um, the mayors that we've had, like we've got a new mayor there now, but the mayors that we've had in Majura have always been supportive of Aboriginal issues and Aboriginal um, history and culture. So that's also helped a lot when it comes to um, you know pushing pushing forward and moving in the right direction. So um, yeah, no, Majura's Majura's been cool. Mm. And yeah, just getting back to your dance group, mm. um, what did you guys used to do dances about? Um, there was a few different dancers. Um, Indy Clark, have you met Indy Clark? Yeah. yeah. So his his father um, created a lot of the dances that were in the Lashy Lashy dance troupe. So there was the Spirit Dance, which was um, which told the story. It was a creation story um, of how of how different things were created through uh, through the earth. Um, so you know, young young people, uh, for the most part, the younger um, dancers of the troupe would uh, be be um, the earth, so whether it be like the bushes or or, or some rocks or whatever. Um, and then the, the spirit, the creator, um, would would come would come forth and and turn these these rocks or these bushes into emus, kangaroo, goanna, um, man, you know, all these all these sort of things. So. Um, that was one of the stories that were told. Then we done the uh, the leaf dance, which was which was an, another um, another story about um, how was it? the story of that was um, when I'm pretty sure when um, the settlers were over and they wanted to keep the mosquitoes off them, um, they didn't know how to. Then um, some blackfellas showed them, you know, used gum leaves, <laughs> just. Mm yourself a little bit and I'll keep the mosquitoes away so the leaf dance was basically about that but it was, it was a fun little dance chanting and singing in that um, and we actually incorporated some Torres Strait Islander um, sit-down songs um, in, in the in the troupe as well because we had a bunch of Torres Strait Islander kids that were that were there and that um, some a couple of them were older so they taught us some sit-down songs like um, uh, Tabana um, and all these sort of ones, which was you know amazing to be able to connect the culture like that as well to to that culture and learn from them. Um, but yeah, the da the dances were were all cool. They were all original. We done a, a stolen generation dance, um, which was always a powerful piece, um, and and it was always just uh, fun to learn. Like the shake a leg was celebration dance was probably my favorite. It's, it's everyone's favorite. Everyone likes watching the shake a leg. So. Um, but it, it, it was cool to connect with culture like that and connect with a culture that, or a tribe that that wasn't mine, but to be able to learn, um, learn, learn what it is about that area and, um, and, and just stay connected to that, I think was amazing. Yeah, and how was it then, I guess, you not having Lachi Lachi heritage mm. to then be accepted? So were you also learning some of the language as well were you singing along in a way like um not learning the language full-on where we would speak it or whatever but it was just like definitely just singing along to some of the some of the chants some of the songs that we had like in the um in the dances that we were doing um but yeah again i think like for me culture has always been about um sharing 
so we can grow together. Um, and that's that's what that always been. And I feel like we've just as as people in general, I feel like we've always done that. Um, that's why you look at you look at um, places, other indigenous cultures around the world, and there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know that that can't be um, by chance. That's because of um, us traveling, or not just Aboriginal people, but uh, indigenous people in general traveling um, and sharing different different ideas and. Um, uh, different tools, different instruments, these sort of things. Um, I was talking to your brother John Wayne Parsons not long ago about um, the Torres Strait Islands and um, Papua New Guinea and how a lot of their cultures are so, so similar. They even got the headdresses that look super, super identical. And again, these, this, this isn't happened by chance. Mm. Um, they've been trading for a really, really long time. They've been speaking to it for a really, really long time. I know we, uh, top and black followers were trading with like Indonesia and that for a really long time. You know, the same would be said for like the Torres Strait Islands, the people in the uh, mainland black followers would have been trading and so many different things. And it's just sharing and, um, and I guarantee like we, we were doing it for, for thousands and thousands of years like obviously there, there were trades between between the people um, and you know when it comes to it's just logical thinking when it comes to um, how often we would have ran into another tribe and traded different things um, for a person to be able to learn um, other mobs language or culture or whatever so that we can communicate a lot easier with each other. I feel like that, that that's definitely something that would have happened. Mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, you go all over Australia and a lot of our creation stories are very, very similar. Um, you know, we got the Rainbow Serpent Biomi in like Echuca and uh, Yorta Yorta country, but you go up to Northern Territory, they also have the Rainbow Serpent as a, um, as a Dreamtime story, as a creation story. So um, that, for me, that just tells me that there was, um, there was maybe a traveller that was going around sharing his ideas, sharing his his culture and, you know, receiving other people's ideas and culture back and then passing it on as as he went around or as as they went around, you know, it might have been just a, a travelling tribe that, that done something like that, just shared whatever it is they had. I don't I don't know, these are just like my theories, but um for me it just really makes sense because otherwise it um there are so much similarities between a lot of different, our, our creation stories and a lot of our um, Dreamtime stories in general. I always felt like there was obviously something more there. Mm. Something that I've noticed doing these little podcast chats is there seems to be different ideas in regards to the sharing of culture and sharing of you know, language and knowledge mm. with people who aren't Aboriginal. Mm. And there are obviously benefits of sharing amongst mob and yep. that. I was just wondering about your thoughts in regards to you know the sharing of culture and my with, thoughts with, with, with the yeah non-Aboriginal people. Yeah, my thoughts um, is I'd say like um, I'm all for sharing sharing culture with um, with white people, just the same as I would with um, other people of colour, just because it's a, there's more understanding then. The more we share our stories or our identity, the or our culture, the more um, 
white Australia will understand what it is to, to um, why we care about the land so much, and, you know, why we say we live with the land and not on it, um, and just our ideas and why uh, our science is very, very important um, when it comes to society and just a bunch of different things. Um, I always felt like that's how the world was supposed to progress. Um, we're supposed to share culture with everyone um, and build together and just grow together. Um, the world would be in such a better position if that had happened. Um, if uh, you know the Europeans did come over and just learnt how to live off the land and live with the land, um, you know, and took that back and incorporated that in their their living. Um, it would have been um, so much better and you know we could have been trading different things um, obviously things that would benefit our environments and not not destroy them like a lot of these things that were introduced to Australia has um, so and but it's never too late it's never too late to be able to share culture and share ideas um, but either side just got to be willing to listen you know and and build from there um, you know for me we're in a position now where, um, you know, we're, we're in a, a time where information is just easy to seek and easy to, to come by, you know, like we can just go on Google on our phones and, and we can find a bunch of different information. Um, but to keep culture exclusive, um, I feel like really hurts our progression in the world. Um, but at the same time, I can see why a lot of people feel that way um, instead of being so inclusive because a lot of our culture was stripped away from us like I can't I can't speak language um, you know when it comes to being a um, an Aboriginal man I can never be that because I missed out on um, that initiation because it was taken from us a really long time ago um, so I can I can see why a lot of people will say forget that and would want to keep that to themselves because um, we've trusted and we've been failed so many, so many times. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I feel like um, sharing uh, culture and educating um, and, you know, our education and all these will just help um, improve a lot of different things and it will help uh, White Australia to understand um, understand us more and understand where we're coming from when we say certain things um, and you know it is the same reason why uh, Aboriginal history or, or the real history of Australia needs to be taught in, in schools so from a young age these you know young white kids can can learn what it is that that happened here in Australia and that way they will already have an understanding and, um, of why it is these negative things are happening right now and instead of growing up and and feeling the same as as their parents have when it comes to looking at black people and just looking at us as being lazy or drunks or any of this um instead they'll have an understanding of of why it is we're struggling in this society because the system again the system wasn't built for us it wasn't made for us to to win um and and that's just going to help the world in general i think so yeah, um, I think I think it's a good thing. Mm. And I guess in regards to sharing culture, there's the definite difference about the the hip hop sound mm. and the hip hop c 
community. It's and then also you've got the traditional dance and song and all that. Yeah. And there isn't that much of the, a crossover between the two. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if you might have any insights as to a reason why that might be the case. Yeah. Um, well, as of as of right now, I think it lies in the fact that um, a lot of the the hip hop artists that are in positions where we can like make music and um, perform aren't um, so in tune with their culture that we can, you know, use it, use language in song or um, or on top of that. Um, for me, I don't want to feel like um, I'm just using like Yiddiki in music or using clapsticks in music just because I'm black. Um, I'll use it for the right songs. Um, but, you know, they're, like we've got um, young Baker Boy now, who's from Arnhem Land. You know, he's in a position where um, he's been living in Melbourne for, um, what, a few years, maybe a bit longer. And he's always been around hip hop music because he's working with indigenous hip hop projects. And, um, you know, he wrote a song in his language and they put him in the studio to record it. Now his whole kind of life and career's, um, you know, based on on recording music. So I think it's just opportunity in terms of like, um, when it comes to people that are super connected to their culture still. And a lot of those people are like um, the Kimberleys or Top End NT, those remote communities out there. They're still super strong and so connected to their, their culture, um, but there's no opportunity for them to be able to um, to show that. When it comes to myself, um, you know, I can't speak language or any of that. Um, but all my all my stories are, are my people's stories, and you know, that's for me. I feel like. Um, the way that I, I still I, I practice culture, although I'm using, as I said, like although I'm using hip hop, I am still a storyteller in in that aspect. Um, in terms of like that crossover between, I think is just like um, if we knew more, um, and we're we're a lot more connected to um, our our own culture like that. I think it would definitely show show a lot more. But um, with the knowledge that we do have as as black followers, um, I think yeah we definitely um, put you know as much as we can into our music, um, and it's just like all all our music in terms of like just talk, speaking on the bad apples um, roster, all our music is is music that is for our people first you know is for to spread that message to have our people feel proud to be black you know it's all about bringing that pride back to community and, and self-determination and black excellence so um you know although we aren't using traditional sound um it's still just black music you know aboriginal music yeah mm. and traveling around i guess you were doing some workshops in communities mm. and, and just regular touring 
What were some similarities and differences that you've found in other parts of the country compared to growing up in Victoria, Mildura? Yeah, well, I definitely felt envious um, a lot of time. Just on, again, just like the lifestyle that they grow up in is is very um, culturally driven. Um, you know, so where are you talking about exactly? Oh, uh, so this is like uh, a lot of places in Northern Territory that I've been um, and the Kimberley. Um, so a lot of remote communities out there. I went to like, um, you know, Beswick, like Rockhole, uh, um, Bellyuan, which are all in Northern Territory. Um, went to like Luma in the Kimberleys. Um, Luma is an interesting place actually because um, it's very, it's a very um, Christian community now. So they're, they're not so much practicing their culture anymore because of that. Um, but uh, these other communities that I went to, you know, they're still speaking language. They still um, have their, um, their, their living in, in place where they have like their skin names and their titles and, you know, where it is that they uh, they're placed or what they are supposed to supposed to do for their community or or whatever. So I definitely felt envious in in those those aspects. But um, for me, it's just like black fellows are black fellows, so I could connect with them really easy um, when it come when it comes to that, you know. And um, and you know, black fellows in those communities as well. They're very um, very welcoming. Um, when it comes to people that are there to help however they can or you know give back however they can so um, you know I was, I was I was accepted straight away as soon as I went in there and just being able to to connect with them and um, just see how they're living too was was amazing um, and on that on on this, at the same time as um very devastating to see because a lot of them are living in like third world conditions um, which is interesting when, you know, we're living in this country that has so much. Um, but, you know, they're always happy, always smiling, all the kids, but um, because they don't know how bad they actually have it there, uh, which, you know, I always thought was um, just really, really sad to see, um, to see that. Uh, but yeah, again, it was just, it was just amazing to see that, that connection to culture. It was amazing to see, um, what it is and the fact that they just, that's just how they grew up. Like everyone dances in these communities. Everyone knows the songs in these communities and that's because they just grew up like that. Um, you know, and there's no shame to share their culture either. Um, which is, which is a beautiful thing because mm. a lot of, um, a lot of people in communities I know, rural communities in in, Aust in Victoria, are very very embarrassed when it comes to sharing culture at, at schools or whatever because they want they don't want to be outed out as different or because of that those stereotypes that come with being an Aboriginal person, um, it has a lot of a lot of people embarrassed to actually um, say that they're Aboriginal. So a lot of kids I know I went to school with. Um, uh, I was a part of the, like the Clontaf program that was running in Majura that year, and I found the list of like the Aboriginal students that were at the school, and there was a lot of students that I knew on the list that didn't um, identify as being Aboriginal, 
because they didn't want to be outed out as different and because of that negative negative um, stigma or negative those negative stereotypes of Aboriginal people um, you know and and that's a reality like that shame that embarrassment is is something that's real um, so this is why I'm, I'm always for like bringing pride back to community making people proud to say that they're Aboriginal um, even though we all should be proud of being Aboriginal anyway but it's just we've been told that um, our Aboriginality is is wrong for so long that a lot of people are, are a lot of young people are feeling like that's a, that's true and um, they don't want to be any different from anyone else but um, the Aboriginal culture is a very very beautiful thing and the oldest in the world like why not be proud of that but um, again it just goes back to this world that we're living in that wasn't created for us you know um, was created to out us for a really long time so um, yeah, my whole thing is just about being, bringing pride back to community. Mm. And just getting back to the fella that came up to you that said he was like one sixteenth yeah. Aboriginal. I'm just wondering, so your perspective and you've gone the way of having the Aboriginal heritage and the Scottish heritage, you've embrace your aboriginality mm. and yeah as you know some other people happy to say that they're you know, whatever and mm. um mm. is there something different in the way that you live your life identifying as being aboriginal as opposed to saying that you're part aboriginal or something like yeah. that and that being like a small part of you as opposed to that being your main identity yeah well um for me again it's just about um you know holding uh holding myself up to a, to a certain standard. Like, um, um, when I say I'm Aboriginal, um, again, I want like these young people to feel proud of that, proud that they are, are Aboriginal. So um, everything I do is for my people and I'll make sure, um, you know, when I, when I am in positions where I can speak for them, um, it's going to be, um, uh, a way that they can they can grasp and be like oh that's that's an amazing thing so I hold myself up to the standard where it's like I need to um, I just need to embrace my culture any any time I can and um, and really speak on that any time I can um, and 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 let these young young people know that it is it is an amazing thing just to be an Aboriginal person and just show them and um, embrace embrace my blackness like one person that I, I really um, looked up to like my whole life was Muhammad Ali and you know he used to say all the time I'm black and I'm pretty and you know hearing that statement throughout it's like that was as a kid that was just funny to hear it's like this grown man calling himself pretty um, but one thing that I always like didn't in interpret or take in was the I'm black part, I'm black and I'm pretty. And being those times, it was like being a black person, we were always told um, that we like, you know, we were ugly, that that wasn't the way to go. Like dark skin, you know, models went around then, um, all these sort of things. So when he says I'm black and I'm pretty, it's, it's saying black is beautiful. Don't listen to what these people are telling us, um, which, now when I when I when I hear it and I read it, I interpret it completely differently. 
I interpreted it in a way where it's like, that was a very, very powerful, really powerful statement. Although he was just saying, I'm black and I'm pretty. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I want to make sure everything that I do is um, is going to give these young young fellas and young sisters um, something to be proud about. Um, let them know that, you know, it's um, these these stigmas, these stereotypes are just all BS. Like, it's, it's not something that we need to hold on to because if we do that, then, um, you know, as Malcolm X always said, like, the, the white man is not the measuring stick to what it is to be excellent or what it is to be, um, you know, uh, I forgot the words that he used, paraphrasing here, but, but um, you know, what it is to, to be uh, what we need to be aiming for. That, that's not true at all. Um, be the best that you can be and um, just embrace your culture along the way like let let these let these people know all the time that you are black because you know that's that's what I'm doing um, I'm not I'm never gonna not say that um, every interview I'm at like um, they always ask me about indigenous issues or my originality or, or things like this and it's because I've set myself up in a way um, through my music um, that has put them in a position where they need to ask about it and you know I'll, I'll continue to do that and the more and more they ask the more I can um, I have a platform to speak and the more you know our, our young fellas can see that and be like alright cool you know Philly's black fella from where I'm from and he's done this and done that I'm just being an example they can they can hopefully follow, um, whether that be music or whatever they want to do. It's just another another black face that they can see and feel proud of. Um, I know myself growing up, all of my heroes were black, whether they were Aboriginal or not. Um, just seeing a black person on TV was always my favourite character. Black musicians were always my favourite musicians. Um, you know, and and it was just those that that thing of like. Um, I think we all know, even as, as uh, at a young age, we all know subconsciously that um, uh, black, uh, being a black person is, um, you know, going against the grain. Just you being a black person is a statement in itself because we're not supposed to be living right now. Like they actually um, tried to tried to wipe us out completely. Um, so being alive in this day and age and being black is a statement in itself and I, th I feel like subconsciously even as a, as a child we knew or we knew that this world wasn't made for us to win so when we see black people win um, they always become our favorite when it comes to like football players or basketball players or um, characters in TV series or musicians just things like that because we know like deep down that it's like cool like if, if they can do it so can I and that's and that's just what I want to do I want to be that person that um, young people can look at and be like yes yeah, that's amazing so yeah it's definitely like um, it's definitely just like you know I'm, I'm just glad that I was able to to be aware and 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 know what it is um, early on in my life so then I could 
so then I, so I could take this path and, and do whatever I can to um, inspire the next generation. Yeah. Now, I remember you saying how through the new album that you were wanting to be able to speak to young Aboriginal people. Mm. Also aware that population-wise, mm. Aboriginal people are something like 3% of the population. Yep. Yeah, just curious as to where the balance is between getting the message out there to blackfellas, but then also understanding that you would have to sell yeah. you know, a certain amount of records and, yeah. and there's that element of relatability that you want to have with an audience to mm, mm, then mm. sell tickets and albums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on the balance that you're going to tread with that? Um, there's um, some artists that I really look up to, like a, um, a J. Cole, um, who, as you, as you were just talking about, like always found that balance between making good music but having a, um, a, a message behind it. I really think, um, you know, Briggs and Trials done that really well with their last project as well, Reclaim Australia. Um, you know, although the message were hard hitting, messages were hard hitting, the music was good. Um, so I think that's what it is. I think like um, whether or not people can connect with the message um, doesn't matter too much. I think more so is if is is the music good, um, and that's the standard that I was talking about living up to when it comes to um, Bad Apple's music. It's like um, you know we can speak on all these issues um, as much as we want, but let's make sure the music is is rocking. Let's make sure people can can appreciate the music, if nothing else. Um, and that's something Briggs always puts forward as well. Like they can, they can hate on, on what he's saying, um, like on Gen 26, they can hate it as much as they want, but they can't say that it's a bad song or bad music because it's, it's dope. <laughs> and, um, and so that's what it is. So for me, it's just like, um, my, my messages aren't, aren't so hard hitting anyway. Um, compared to like a, a Briggs or, or Trials. Um, uh, and the, my music style I think is, um, is a lot more just chill and vibey. Um, when it comes to just selling records, um, I don't think I'm in for it or for that, you know, I mean, I'm not in, for, into, in music for that, that purpose. Um, if it happens, that's just a bonus for me. Um, the the more and more um, I get these opportunities, even even something like this, I think um, definitely helps helps my position in in terms of like what I want to do with my music. Um, you know, music for me is a, a vehicle, a tool I'm using to um, um, help spread my message um, and and hopefully help inspire change and inspire young people. And until, you know, it's, um, until it's no longer beneficial to what it is I want to do with it, um, I'll continue to do it. Um, after, after that stopped, after I'm not, um, it's not benefiting my movement anymore, um, then I'll move on to, to do something else. And I think that's where, where it is. Um, so for me, in terms of like selling selling records, I'm not not too fussed about it. I don't think in Australia we really sell too much records anyway. Um, but you know, it is it is a possibility to um, release a record that is very message driven, um, socially conscious, and 
win arias you know we just seen briggs and charles do that um and again that that's that's testament to like the times that we're in we're in a time now where people want to hear a message through music especially hip-hop music i think it's coming full circle here in australia could because for the longest time it was predominantly white white male um hip-hop um i was hanging out with like some guys from arrested development not too long ago i was talking around melbourne and showed them some different things um and we were speaking about hip-hop in australia and i told him you know for for the longest time it was just it was white like everyone that was at the top of the charts was all white um you know everyone that was nominated for any awards was all white and they were surprised they were shocked shocked because i don't think anywhere else in the world besides australia that 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 was a reality because hip-hop music is a is a black culture um so but the times we're in now as i said like i think this is the first time ever where no white person was nominated for an aria award when it came to the urban category um and that that just shows that it's like i feel people are are more um gravitating towards or they just want more information now they want um substance in their music they can't um continue to listen to these um music to music that doesn't have that that message behind it like people are just um hungry people want that knowledge and um so it's the best time for me to be releasing music now because it's like um if they if they want to listen to that message then you know i can deliver that message um so yeah we'll we'll just see how we go when my album releases and you know if it's successful it's successful um if not then <laughs> that that's that that is what it is as well yeah is there a particular track that you're proud of that you'd like to tell us a bit more about that is going to be on the upcoming album um i got a few tracks uh one track i already uh like is a track I, i got called love features a, a brother boy of mine um who goes by adrian eagle um and it's just about appreciating um and being grateful for what you have in your life um because at the at the time i wrote the song there was um you know before that leading up to it i was like i was going through a bunch of different emotions and and things and just a diff- bunch of different things in 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 general and I I really let what was going on in the world and in Australia when it comes to injustices affect me um in a way uh infect me to the point where you know I, I wasn't really functioning right or whatever I wasn't really doing anything um so I wrote this this song like as a reminder to that it's okay to kind of you know kick back and and let the world what it is for a second and come back to it later on um as a reminder to recharge your batteries um because we can't that you know that fight is something that we um can't continually continuously continuously do on a daily basis like there we need time to to breathe um so that song is basically about that um looking around and and being a part of just enjoying the moment um a lot of the times you know when I'm with my family and or my son um just really embrace that 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 moment um that I'm in right there so that song that song is special to me because of that um another song I wrote I wrote recently with um sister girl Maylene um 
is a track I wrote uh, for for Elijah Elijah Dowdy. Um, not not uh, you know just for Elijah, but for for the um, injustices that have happened around Australia, um, which I think is a really really powerful song, um, and you know a song I wrote after after that um, that man got you know a super super light sentence for running young Elijah over, um, you know from that from that anger. And frustration I turned that into a song and I think that's a very very um, amazing and powerful song as well um, the whole the whole album itself you know I'm calling it grow and it's um, it's reflective of, of me in the sense of, of my growth you know things that I've been through from my early childhood to where I am now and um, I want to show that that growth of my mind state through the through the album um, and you know I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing project and I'm just looking forward to getting it out. I've been working on it for so long. <laughs> yeah, well, how long? Oh, like, a, um, so I've been working on it since I got signed and that was like, that was like last year. So it's been, it's been close to two years now since I've been working on this project. It's been a really long time. All right. So there's no deadline on it or? No, no, no real deadline, um, you know, which is, uh, which really works for me. Um, and that's just, again, that's how bad Apples is. Um, you know, they, they're there to give the artists the, the time and space they need for that, um, for that creativity to really come through. Um, I was just, I was kind of lucky in a, in a sense because, um, you know, Briggs and Trials released their album, um, last year, um, and Birds from our label released his project this year. Um, so it's cool that we're giving each other this, this breathing space. Mm. Um, and really just pushing each other's albums like that. Um, and I think that's what it's about as well. So um, I'm definitely releasing my album next year. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you going about it with beats and recording? You record at their studio or? Yeah, well, um, we've got a studio set up now. I haven't, I haven't actually used our studio yet, um, but we're going to, would that be picking up? Oh yeah, um, I think these mics are pretty like, Pretty good directional mic, so I'll just shut see. the door if you like. Yeah, I'll just shut this door and uh, leave the drilling to the outside. Right, we'll wrap up in a sec anyway, but. Um, yeah, easy. Yeah. What was that question again? Oh, just in regards to whereabouts you. Uh, oh, recording that. Record. Yeah. So, um,. Yeah, so again, I haven't like used the, the Bad Apple Studio um, as of yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting in there and, and, and working. Um, where I'm recording at the moment is um, with a, a, a producer um, and hip-hop artist. He goes by the name of Momo. He's from the Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, I worked with him a few years ago on a track called We On that i done with um, Stephen Motlock. Mm. Um, which done really well and you know during that that process that working on that track I really um, had a good vibe when I was working with Mo so when this opportunity came up to work on this album you know he was the first person I thought of first person I'd call so majority of the album he's produced um, the music for and and recorded um, there's a few tracks on there that has been uh, that have been produced um, by my DJ DJ Mars um, you know, the track for Elijah, he, he produced that. Um, and yeah, and 
it's just it's just been like a, a cool process like putting the album together it's different because um, again like you got this got this standard to kind of live up to and on top of that it's just like um you know trying to make the album make sense because i want it to be like a concept based album where it is telling a story um and yeah just you know just trying to enjoy the process as much as i can but um you know after two years the songs are just old to me now so <laughs> yeah. it's like um but it's going to be fresh to you know other people's the listeners ears so has briggs given you any guidance or direction into how the album should sound or in regards to you know how you say lifting your game in what sense mm. like, uh, lyrically um vocally yeah well definitely um i think like um you know there's this there's this amazing thing in in hip-hop music where it's like always there's always friendly competition so you always look at your peers and and, and work from there um and that that kind of rings rings true in in the bad apples um stable as well um you know i look at um birds who released his album and you know it's, it's a dope project it's a really really good uh, album and that kind of and then seeing briggs and trials album before that it kind of um showed showed me what what to aim for and uh where to be at on top of like, um, you know, Briggs giving advice, he always does. Um, anytime we do finish some tracks, uh, we send them through to him and he kind of gives the, the thumbs up um, and will give us some feedback on the tracks and that um, and just, you know, tell us what we can do better. Um, you know, and he's, he's upfront about it. Like if he, if he doesn't think it's, um, it's dope, he'll tell you straight away. And then it's, it's back to the, the, the writing board from there. And um, you know that's something that we that we need for sure. Um, you know we can't have these um, just yes men in our ear telling us that everything's everything's cool. Um, so you know I appreciate I appreciate that that from Briggs and um, you know Briggs is someone that is always willing to give us advice. You know it's just about us asking for it and um, and moving forward like that. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll wrap up in a sec, but just wanted to let people know if they want to listen to your music online or see any stuff online, like film clips or anything. Like, yeah. Is there a place to go? Do you have a website? Or? Um, yeah, well, there's the um, uh, Bad Apples Music uh, website. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's like .com.au, yeah, which I'm pretty sure it is, but type it in Google, that, that will come up for sure. Um, on top of that, just, you know, follow my socials. I've got Philly on, on Facebook, P-H-I-L-L-Y, Instagram, Philly the Aboriginal. Um, I don't use Twitter much, so don't worry about following that. But, um, but yeah, um, you know, keep a, a, I update all the time in terms of like my socials or whatever. So, you know, keep up to date with that. Um, and yeah there's definitely like some new music coming out super soon um i'm excited i haven't really released a song in forever um i think the last track i released was uh Yilau. um but you know that was part of a compilation album um but um yeah definitely looking looking forward to 2018 i think it's going to be an amazing year yeah and last thing if there happens to be a young Aboriginal follower who's a bit of a dream chaser. Yeah. What would you have to say to him? Um, 
just keep chasing, chasing that dream. I always, I always tell young people because I, I get invited into schools a lot, a lot. Um, I get invited in different communities to speak to different people. Um, so when I speak to young people about chasing dreams, I always tell them to, um, you know, aim for the stars. Go, you know, aim for the the, the biggest goal that you can think of. Um, you know, no dreams too small, um, no dreams too big. Um, so just go for it. Um, and I always say whether whether you you um, get there or not, whether you achieve that that goal that you've set, um, if you give it your all and 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 um, and really embrace uh, what it is that you're you're trying to do, um, by the end of your career, you know whether you do become the biggest rapper in the world or the best basketball player in the world, you're going to um, realize that. Um, that doesn't really matter. The end process doesn't really matter. It's about the, the journey. Um, as long as you enjoy that journey and um, embrace everything along the way, then that, that's, that's where it's at. Um, you know, I've had dreams to be a professional basketball player myself, but that didn't happen. Um, and instead of feeling disappointed, I've moved on to find something else, and that was in music. And, you know, I've set, I've set my goals for music. And I'm just enjoying this whole process, enjoying this whole um, journey and enjoying learning along the way as well. So, um, yeah, all I'd say is just have fun and live life and, you know, whatever, whatever happens, um, just just try to just try to um, embrace, embrace what it is that you're doing and embracing your family and your friends and and just know that sometimes it is okay to to say no um, to family and friends, or um, you know, if you if you need to disassociate yourself with certain people, then that's okay as well. Um, but the reality is, like you know, not not every every dream that we set is achievable, and a lot of the times that's not our own fault. There's just doors that we can't open by ourselves, and. Um, and I think, but that doesn't stop us from trying to open those doors. So yeah, just enjoy life. That's what I'd say. <laughs> yep. Sweet.